Hey podcast, welcome back to another episode. Now, as I mentioned last week, the way that these podcasts are going to work is one week I'm going to be interviewing a guest and then the next week I'm going to be sat on my billboard talking about various topics. Now, when I'm on my own, there's going to be a different topic every week. It could be about fitness, about training, about nutrition, about mindset. It'll really just be about whatever is on my mind that week. Now, the way I'm going to work it is I'm going to try and break each podcast down into roughly three points for you to remember. So there'll be three main takeaways, and each one is going to last somewhere between 50 to 30 minutes. I don't want to try and kind of drag the episode on for the sake of dragging it on. Um, But then on the flip side, you know, some topics are going to be a little bit more in-depth than others. So this is the first episode where I'm sat and talking to you without a guest on. Now, on that note, every week when we've got a guest on, the topics are going to be totally random. So it isn't just about fitness or nutrition or training, although naturally that's going to have quite heavy focus. When I get the guests on, we're going to be talking about everything. So depending on who the guest is, like last week when we had Cole, he's got so many great insights about the mountain bike industry in general that it makes sense to talk about that. Um, coming up soon, I've got Jack Redding, who is a pro downhill racer who just stopped racing, actually, just stopped racing World Cups. So that'd be really interesting. I've got Chris from Odyssey Activewear. So he's the guy behind the MTB fitness jerseys that you've seen. So we'll talk all about how to start a business in the mountain bike space, how to get out there, how to start a side hustle and kind of build it up and all that sort of stuff. Um, and I've also got Ben from We Ride Mountain Bike Coaching. So that episode, as you can imagine, is going to have a big focus on skills coaching, on guiding, um, and on how you can improve your riding from a skills point of view. So as you can see, we've got a real wide array of guests so far, and I'm going to be booking them in all the time. Like I say, every other week, there's going to be a new guest on the podcast. For the vast majority of them, I'm going to try and record in person just because I think it's a better experience to actually sit face-to-face with someone. But naturally, if I need to, if I want to get somebody from you know America or Australia or whatever, that's not quite going to work just yet. So yeah, I thought I'd take this opportunity just to give you a better idea of how the MTB Fitness Podcast is going to work ongoing. Now in today's episode, I'm going to be talking about how to get the most of the off-season. I'm going to start off by telling you what the off-season is and going into a little bit of detail about that. And then I'm going to give you three main pointers of how to spend the off-season. So let's dive in. So what actually is the off-season? So the term off-season came from professional sport or comes from professional sport. So if we take football or soccer as an example, they'll have a period of a few months, no idea how many months because I don't follow football, um, but let's call it nine months where they're playing competitively. So every weekend they're playing games against each other. So the aim for the week is essentially to be prepared for the game at the weekend because that is the most important thing. So the aim for that whole season is to stay fit and strong and not injured so they can perform to their absolute peak on game day. This is the same kind of thing for World Cup races. If you think they're going to have a series of races which they need to be ready for, and whilst they're in the season, the entire aim is to perform as best as they possibly can at those races. Then you're going to have an off-season. So in that off-season, you may have friendly races, you may have friendly games, but there's nothing competitive, there's no competitive um, games or races that actually count towards, you know, anything important. They're just kind of friendlies or they're just for fun or for practice, that kind of thing. So you've got your in-season and your off-season. Now, there's going to be a few different types of people listening to this podcast. 
Now, if you're a racer of any kind, chances are, if you're listening to this, you're not getting paid to race. So you might be an amateur or you might just do it for fun. Your kind of idea of an in-season and off-season, your in-season is going to be when you're doing those races, obviously. Your off-season is going to be when you're not racing. Simple. For, I think the vast majority of people reading this, though, you may do some races and events for fun, but you're probably not doing them every weekend or every month where it matters to a certain extent. You might do them, you know, few and far between. I'm a good example of that. Next year, I'll probably do about three races, but they're going to be four to six weeks apart. So, yeah, I'll need to take a few days off before the race, but, you know, it's not like a full-on season where I'm racing every single weekend and I need to really make sure I'm peaked and ready for that event. I think a lot of people listening to it will be in that camp. And then the other camp of it as well, depending on where you live, is some people listening to this literally cannot ride in the off-season. So if we take certain parts of America as an example... The trails are either closed because they're too wet and muddy or they're absolutely snowed in, so they disappear. You physically cannot ride. Here in the UK, our off-season, we can ride through the off-season, so we ride muddy trails, and I'm going to be talking about that in this episode, but it's kind of... When it's sunny outside, you want to ride more, don't you? When the sun's out, it's glorious weather, you naturally ride more. When it's raining, when it's windy, when the weather's not that nice, I think most UK mountain bikers ride less. So here in the UK, and perhaps from where you're listening to, um, if you're in another country, you may find that your example is of an off-season isn't really an on and off switch. It's just on the in-season, you ride more because the weather's nicer. And in the off-season, you still ride, but you ride less. You know, you might ride four times a week in the summer, but then through autumn and winter, you might ride twice a week. So that is essentially the concept of an off-season and an in-season. But despite wherever you lie on the wide range of different people that are going to be listening to this, it doesn't really matter. What matters is that if you're going into any kind of off-season right now, I want to share these three tips with you that are going to help you improve and that are going to mean that when you get to the in-season, when you get to the riding season, when you get to your race season, you're going to be as prepared as you possibly can be, and you're going to make the most of the autumn, winter months that are coming up. So first of all, I said there were going to be three points, and that are, this is kind of a pre-point, which is too important to leave out. And this first tip is to, whilst you're going into the months where you either can't ride, or you're going to be riding less, or you're going to struggle to motivate yourself to ride because the weather's awful, you need to set yourself a goal and a target for next year. So to give you a personal example, like I mentioned before, I'm going to be doing two or three races next year. Um, I'm hoping to do the Boltby Bash, which from memory is in May. Now that's an enduro race. If you're not kind of local, you don't know about that. And then I'll do Ard Rock, which is a huge enduro race here in the UK. So that is at the end of July, I believe. And then there'll be probably be one other race thrown in there. So that's kind of my aim and my target at the moment. So I've kind of got my sights set on that and it gives me something really tangible to aim towards. Now, the reason that is important is because you can kind of structure your training around that. But more importantly, at the end of the day, we're just playing at it, aren't we? Like we enjoy racing, but many won't be going for podiums. You know, you're certainly not going to try and earn some money for it. So it's just for fun. The bigger reason that it matters is that it gives you that motivation and that purpose. So 
today's a good example. The weather has been pretty minging, to be honest. It's been chucking it down. It's been sideways rain. And where my house is situated, I'm kind of a third of the way down a valley, something like that. So you can see down the valley, the rain has just been horizontal. Now, I'm going to be riding after I finish recording this podcast. Sundays, when the weather's like that, you don't really want to get out. It'd be easier to just go to the gym or to not ride altogether. Now, the reason that having a goal works really well for that is that it motivates you and gives you a purpose. So you look outside and you think, yeah, it's lashing it down with rain, it's cold, it's wet, the trails are going to be trickier to ride. Why do I want to ride today? I don't need to. And having that race in the back of your mind means that you want to ride because you need to keep your fitness up and you want to make sure that you build your fitness ready for that race or that event or whatever you're sort of aiming towards. And as well as that, you've also got the side of it where, well, what on ra- What if on race day it is lashing it down, it is poor weather and you never ride in the rain, you want to be used to riding it now. So it just kind of gives you that purpose and that motivation. Now, that was just my example. You don't have to be doing any races or events. It's totally personal. But just having some kind of goal to aim towards really, really, really focuses you and really helps If not, you're just riding and training for fun, which is fine. Like, you know, we all ride and train because we enjoy it. Nothing wrong with that, obviously. But having an actual goal and a purpose to your training helps massively. So if you don't have one right now, if you can't think of what you want to aim towards, just have a think what it could be. Could be going on a riding holiday. It could be a race, like I've just mentioned. It could be something just simple as losing weight. So trying to get to a target weight. But you need to have really a goal and a target to aim towards that is your North Star. So you're going to be riding less. We've talked about that already. What should you do with your time over the next few months in this off season to ensure that you're in the best possible position to perform when you get to riding more, when it comes to race season, when it comes to the in season as it was, whatever that means to you. So I've got three tips for you. And tip number one is to spend more of your time training off the bike so that can be in the gym or it can be at home and it's kind of personal depending on what works for you for me personally I love to go to the gym I love the gym that I train at it's a really great atmosphere and there's various different sort of sections to it so the front of the gym that I train in is like a typical gym so that's where you know you get a lot of people lifting weights Uh, you know there's loads of machines you've got free weights it's probably what you would just picture when I say the word gym but then attached to it on the opposite side is a CrossFit gym so they do CrossFit classes there as well I'm not into CrossFit it's not my bag but it's a cool section so there's a lot more functional sort of space a lot of barbells and a massive space to do things like walking lunges and all that sort of jazz there's loads of pull-up bars and it's all kind of like sawdusty and whatnot so it's a totally different vibe so for me I love that gym and I find that when I walk through the door it's that I walk into the gym and I'm there to train so personally I work from home so I again personally this is just for me find it difficult to train at home because I've been working here all day it's kind of the place that I work or I relax and I find it hard to get into that get sweaty workout mindset I find that when I go to the gym, the only thing I ever do in the gym is train. So even if I'm tired, even if I'm not feeling it, as soon as I walk through that door, there's that kind of mental switch and where I'm in training mode. You know, the music's on, everybody around you is training hard. So you just kind of get in the mood for it. So for me, I love going to the gym. Um, 
you've got to find the right gym for you. So I find, for example, that if I go to a local council gym, often it won't be the right kind of mood for me. There's a lot more cardio equipment. You'll have a lot more of an older demographic, which is not an issue from an age point of view. It doesn't matter whether you're 30 or you're 80, but a lot of people who go to the council gyms in my area just kind of doddering. They go in, they want to go on a bike for 10 minutes, they want to have a good chimwag and a catch-up and have a brew afterwards, and there's, I think that's fantastic, but it doesn't make me want to go and train as hard as I can and you almost feel funny doing, say, heavy deadlifts, for example, because it's just not the gym for it to be slamming weights around. So what I would say is if you've tried a gym before and you don't like it or you move into a new area, really think about the gym that you join. When we moved here, I had about three or four different gyms I could have gone to. There was a council gym, which I've just spoken about. There's the gym that I actually train at. And there was a few that are further afield, which would have been really great gyms because they'll have pools and saunas and that kind of thing but they were about a 25 minute drive away so it's more of an effort to go to the gym and it needs to be local and the other one which is next door to where I train is a real bodybuilder gym now that just would not be for me it's like really rusty it's all about getting massive they sell steroids over the counter they do bodybuilding competition it's just not my vibe at all so the reason I say this is I think it's important to consider what gym you go to. And I think if you're thinking of training more over the winter, over the off season, finding a gym that you love going to can really, really help your motivation. And you just look forward to going. I love getting out of the house and going to the gym and training because it gets me out of the house. Now, on the flip side, tons of people listening to this would rather train at home. And that is absolutely fine. In the MTB Fit app, which I sell, You've got both gym plans and home plans. The majority of people actually follow the home plans because it's easier, um, easier to fit into your lifestyle. So the home plans only require a resistance band so you can train in your garage, in your front room, anywhere you like really and train from home. Now the benefits of that mean that it fits into your lifestyle much more easily. Even though my gym is only 15 minutes down the road, that's still a half an hour round trip plus about five minutes of um, parking up. So, you know, it's 35 minutes out of your day. If you're to train at home, that commute time is totally gone. So, you know, if you've got kids or a busy lifestyle or you're just trying to squeeze in those workouts, you can do a 30 to 40 minute workout from home. Whereas a 30 to 40 minute workout in the gym is probably double that because you've got the traveling time. So there's that to consider. Of course, some people listening to this as well will have an actual home gym set up. So you might have a garage set up with a barbell and dumbbells and kettlebells and that sort of stuff. That's perfect. Um, so what I would say is if you're listening to this and you're thinking of training at home or you already do train at home, that's great. I think the majority of people listening to this are probably in that camp. I know the majority of my customers are. I think it's about 60% of people following my app do the home plans, about 40% actually physically go to the gym and then there's kind of a hybrid in between there where people train in their home gym if that makes sense and um, what I would recommend for those people is to try and give yourself an actual space to train in so to give you an example when it was COVID when it was locked down and you couldn't go out I trained in my garage because the only reason that I went into the garage was to work on the bike or to get the bike out and ride or to train that was it I didn't see the garage for any other reason 
Um, I tried to do a workout in my lounge. And for me personally, I just found I didn't get into that training mindset anywhere near as much, which makes sense because this is where I chill out and watch Netflix in an evening and relax. So you're not in that mindset. So if you can, try and give yourself a zone that is where you train because that'll really help you get into that mindset of, yeah, this is where I train, it's training time. If that's not an option, totally fine. You just need to kind of create yourself a bit of a space. So you might pull the sofas out of the way, move any rugs out and turn some music up and get into your gym kit just so you've got those triggers that are going to get you into the right mindset to train. So why is it actually important to train off the bike? Well, there's a few reasons for this. One of the main reasons, so mountain biking is fantastic for your fitness and for building strength to a certain extent. But what it's not great at is you don't you do work all your muscles whilst mountain biking, but you don't work all your muscles evenly. You spend a lot of time hunched over the bars, hunched over into that position. And what that does is it really tightens up all your muscles, making you much tighter, making your muscles shorter. And as well as that, you work the majority of your muscles in a much more limited range of motion. So if you think of pedaling, for example, you're only moving your leg a little bit. You're not moving it through that full range. So what that does is it tightens you up. As well as that, mountain biking will often create niggles. So you'll have niggles and injuries which kind of build and build and build whilst you're riding more. And it's really hard to get rid of those just from riding more. Chances are it's actually going to make it worse. Training off the bike means that you can do full range of motion exercises and you can do specific movements that actually help you move properly. So you improve your flexibility, you improve your mobility and you undo some of that negative um, work that's happened on the bike where your muscles are getting tighter and tighter and your flexibility is actually getting worse, not better. And as well as that, it also means that you can target those niggles. So to give you an example, if you've got a bit of a dodgy knee that keeps just twinging and holding you back, you just keep feeling it. When you spend more time training off the bike, you can do exercises to actually tackle that issue. So you can strengthen up all of the muscles surrounding your knee. You can work on your ankle and your hip and all of the, the key muscles, which essentially can often... Um, not necessarily create that knee pain, but exacerbate it and mean that it makes it worse. So you can work on that. Once you ri When you're riding more, you don't have time to do all those things because you're spending time on the bike. So a couple of the first reasons to train off the bike through the off-season is to improve your flexibility and your mobility and also to start tackling those niggles and those aches and pains. The other side of it is it's a, a great time to start to correct any muscle imbalances. So naturally, once you're mountain biking, you, you work your lower body and your upper body, but your lower body works far, far more on a mountain bike ride than your upper body does. Of course, that makes sense. You're spending way more time pedaling um, than you are using your upper body. Of course, you do use your upper body just less. Now, hitting the gym means, or training at home, means that a workout can be 50% lower body, 50% upper body. And what that does is it just balances out those muscle imbalances and makes sure that you get your upper body as strong as your lower body in relation to how strong they can get. Obviously, you're never going to have as strong upper body as your lower body, but hopefully that makes sense. Um, so that's one reason. As well as that, mountain biking also works some muscles more than others. So you often work the muscles on the front of your body far more than the muscles on the back of your body. 
training off the bike means that you can build up the back muscles more than the front muscles um, to kind of bring them up to where those muscles on the front are. Now, in technical terms, I'm talking about like your pec, your deltoids. <coughs> Excuse me. Sorry if you're driving along, you just got a massive shock. <laughs> um, your, your, um, your pec, your deltoids, your triceps, which are essentially those muscles that push. Um, and all of those muscles that you're pressing exercises, you do work your back muscles like your lats and your rear delts and your rhomboids and all of those and your bicep, um, which are your pulling muscles, just not quite as much. So you can end up with a real big muscle imbalance. And hitting the gym corrects all that and helps balance you out. And when you're more balanced as a rider, you're going to perform much better on the bike, but you're also way less likely to get injuries and that kind of thing. Now, I could honestly keep going on about this for the next 30, 40 minutes and give you loads of reasons that you should train off the bike, particularly through the off-season. Take my word for it. If you don't currently train off the bike, start training in the gym or start training at home, and I promise you the benefits are going to be ginormous. Next up, the off-season is a fantastic time to work on your endurance and on your base fitness. Now, you've probably heard of Zone 2 training before. Now, what that is, is training at 60 to 70% of your maximum heart rate. So if you know your maximum heart rate, great. If you don't, just take 220 and then take your age off it. And that'll give you a fairly accurate gauge from which to base your maximum heart rate on. So as an example, if you're 30 years old listening to this, just take 220 minus 30 and you've got 190 as your maximum heart rate. So zone two is between 60 to 70% of that. Or if you don't monitor your heart rate whilst you're riding, which is fine, then it's just a kind of that pace where you can chat to the person next to you. So a good example of that is when you're riding on a steady incline or you're going up a gentle fire road and you're riding up it and you're chatting along. You couldn't talk nonstop, but you can have a conversation whilst you're doing it. That will be about zone two. Now, what that does is really helps you build a real base of fitness and it helps you kind of broaden your endurance so you've got a base from which to build on. So when you get into sort of harder interval training and that kind of thing, you can do your zone three, zone four and the harder efforts. Zone two training essentially gives you that real base of fitness. And it makes sense if you think about it. If you get yourself to the point where you know, you could do three, four, five hours at zone two. That's really great endurance, which means that you can build those harder efforts in on top of it. So this time of year can be a fantastic time to work on your zone two fitness. You can either do it indoors on a static bike or you can get out on a road bike, for example, if you can't hit the trails and just build in those longer, steadier zone two rides. This can be a really great time to do that. For me personally, on my non-riding days, I'll go to the gym first thing in the morning at 7am and I do 45 minutes to an hour of zone 2 riding in the morning and then when I do my weights, I'll go back in the evening at about 4pm and then I'll do my weight session later on. So that means I can do my zone 2 to start the day and then go back and hit the gym in the afternoon to do weights. So I'll do that two to three times a week generally and then ride two to three times a week. So this can be a really, really great point to build up that zone two fitness and to build up your endurance. And then when you get nearer to the season, when you're riding more, you'll have a really great foundation from which to build on. 
It's a brilliant, brilliant technique and a brilliant time to actually do that. Now, doing this type of training, if you think about it, it's essentially just teaching your heart to operate and to work at a slightly harder level than rest for long periods of time. So it can help improve or lower your resting heart rate. It can improve your heart rate variability, which is essentially the timing between beats, which is a sign of fitness. The higher that is generally, the better. And it can all around just improve your general fitness, your general aerobic fitness and improve your endurance so that you're ready to ride harder when the season comes. So this is a really, really good time to do it. Another reason that it works nicely is because it doesn't take as much out of your system as a normal ride would. So if you were to go and do a two hour ride and you know, you're going hard on the climbs and you're putting a lot of effort in, that takes a lot out of your body. So you need to recover from that. Zone two riding, because of its low intensity, doesn't tax your system anywhere near as much, which means that you can add it into your weekly training without needing a ton more recovery. So if you were to go and do a one hour interval session every morning, for example, that'd be far too much for the majority of people. However, you could do an hour of zone two riding every morning because it doesn't tax your system anywhere near as much. So it's a good way to get fitter without drastically increasing the needs for recovery. So that's tip two. Tip one, train off the bike by hitting the gym or training at home. Tip two, start to work on your zone two fitness. In other words, start to build endurance and do more rides at a low intensity to build your endurance and to build your fitness. And finally, this is the third thing I would recommend working on in the off season. And this is gonna vary depending on where you're listening from. But the off season can be a fantastic time to start working on your skills so that you're a better rider when it comes to it. Now, if you think about it, when you're in the riding season, you're probably riding with your friends nice and often. The weather's lovely, so you just want to get out and go for a ride. Now, the more you ride, the better you get, of course. But often, you won't actually improve specific skills when you're just riding. To give you an example, if there's a drop on one of your local descents that you always avoid, you're probably not just going to go and hit that one day on normal rides. You might do. But, you know, chances are you'll just be in the habit of riding around it and skipping it. If your trails are open, if you're reading this from somewhere like the UK, the winter can be a great time to start working on your skills because the rest of your friends might not be riding as much. And, you know, you might want to just spend some time really building up your skills. So to take that drop example, this would be a great time to go to that drop for half an hour and to session it, to start looking at it, to figure out how to do it and to do it a few times over and over and over again and to work on your drop technique so that when you're riding more and you just want to head out and only ride, you're prepared for that and you're ready. Now can be a great time for that. It can also mean as well that you can practice specific skills on the bike, you know, like cornering or as I touched on before, here in the UK, the trails are really, really muddy. They're really wet, which makes them so slippy. So the difference in skill required to ride my local steep trails in the wet compared to in the dry is absolutely huge. So actually going out and riding in the wet, muddy, slippy conditions, if your country allows, is a fantastic time to build your skills up and to use it from that point of view. You can also session sections of trail. So on that example, if you've got a short, steep descent near you, you might want to spend some time sessioning it over and over and over again and getting better at it. 
Whereas in the summer or when you're racing, you might just want to be out riding and going further and just enjoying the rides. So I find that this time of year can be a real great time to slow down a little and to start working on your skills. Now, that's fine if you live in a country where you can ride through the mud like me and like anybody else listening to it in the UK. But if you live in a country like the US where you can't ride muddy trails, I totally understand that that isn't an option. If this is you, I can recommend a couple of things. First of all, we'll be go to your local pump track if you're lucky enough to have one. I don't have one, but I'd love to have one nearby. That can be a fantastic way to spend two or three hours a week, you know, on separate occasions doing pump track sessions. Or if that's not an option, head to your local car park and practice things like cornering with some cones, manualing, wheeling, bunny hopping, you know, various different techniques like that that you don't actually need to be on the trails for. You know, you may do that two or three times a week for an hour at a time and you'll really, really enjoy it. You know, if you think as as a kid when most of us started riding, many of us won't have gone out mountain biking. We'll have just been riding around on the local streets and you get so much better at riding when you're doing that. How often do you see kids that are just wheeling for miles because they spend so much time on the bike? Now, spending some time on those skills through the winter can be a brilliant time to do that then you'll find that it obviously naturally crosses over onto the bike you know if you can get yourself to the point where you can wheel it for 5 10 20 or 30 seconds at a time suddenly when you have to wheelie up an obstacle it'd be an absolute piece of cake or you know if you bunny hopping if you get used to bunny hopping higher and build your technique it'll be second nature once on the bike so The general thing, the general gist, I should say, for this is to just really see this as a time where you can improve your skills, you can really get working on those basics so that when it comes to riding more, you can add it in. So essentially, this is a time where you can revisit cornering, you know, um, manualing, all of those different techniques that you need and really drill down and work on the basics And then in a few months time, when you start riding more, you'll find that you naturally implement that into your riding. So you'll hit those corners better, your manual better, your bunny hop better, and you'll kind of slot those skills that you've been working on into your riding better. Just because you're not doing as much riding or you're not riding at all on the trails doesn't mean that you can't spend this time improving your skills so that it benefits you when you come back to riding. So there you go. There's the three main things I would recommend working on over the coming months. First of all, we've got training off the bike, either in the gym or at home. Secondly, you want to build your endurance through doing zone two rides and just doing those longer distance, lower intensity rides. And thirdly, you want to work on your skills. So start working on the basics and improving your skills. You'll find that those three things really combine so that in a few months, when you're riding more often or whether you're racing, you're going to feel so much better on the bike. Of course, I'd love to help you out with that. Check out the MTB Fit app. You need to sign up on the MTB Fitness website, which is www.mtb.fitness. Then when you do that, you can sign up for a seven-day free trial and you'll be emailed details um, or a specific link, I should say, to you, which allows you to set up a password. So if you download the app on the App Store, you'll open it up and you'll just be greeted by a login page. You won't be able to get in. That's normal. That's how it's meant to work. You just need to sign up on the website first. So go to mtb.fitness. You can learn all about it. And if you have some other ideas for this podcast, 
you know, if you have some topics that you'd like me to cover in future, I'm very much open to feedback. So please drop me an email to matt at mtb.fitness or just drop me a message on Facebook or Instagram. Obviously, I'm, I'm on there. I read those every day or every other day anyway. Um, so let me know. But yeah, I'd love to hear. I hope you've enjoyed this episode of the podcast. I hope you found it very, very useful. And I will see you next week for an interview episode. Cheers.